Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Hi, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, I'm doing just great, Dan. Glad to be here. Dude. You're waiting. What was that? I was... (laughs) See, you can't see me. I was going to lip sync your... It's Friday! Friday. (laughs) You totally threw me off there. I'm sorry! (laughs) Joe, man, I was expecting the slider. He threw the knuckleball. Oh, boy, it's been a crazy week of shows. Still in Vietnam, headed back uh, after I do this show uh, for the audience. And uh, I got to do some uh, Hannity TV tonight, and then I'll be bouncing back. Uh, You know, I I love the feedback, folks. As As I tell you all the time, I really enjoy it. That's why I put out my email on the website. I like to hear what you have to say. Uh, good, bad, and indifferent. And some of you email Paula and maybe read your email saying, hey, where's the update on Vietnam? I'm going to get to that. I just didn't have anything to say yet. Now we have some information. Uh, the show is a recording. You could probably tell a few hours earlier than we typically do. But now that I have a full, complete picture, I'll give you an update on Vietnam today. And folks, please, I'm humbly begging you. I was struggling before the show on how to organize it because I have two really great things I want to talk about. A Vietnam update, and I also want to talk about some just incredible stuff I had dug through from my old notes about this dossier as it relates to the Cohen thing, Brennan, Obama. Please don't go anywhere for that. I promise you're going to love this stuff. It's really, really good. I was going to put it first, but I have so much stuff to talk about regards to the summit. So that's what's going on there. Um, Okay. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Untuck It. These shirts are fantastic. I mean it. You know when you, you, you get a dress shirt, that you're supposed to tuck in and you don't want to tuck it in. You want to look a little more casual. You know, you don't want the stuffy look and then you pull it out and it looks horrible. It's not meant to be worn untucked. Well, the untuck it people said, well, how about we make a shirt worn to be untucked? Therefore you get untuck it. Listen, here's a tip. No guy looks good in a long bulky dress shirt when it's untucked. You look like you've got a poncho on. It's terrible. You might like think it looks casual, but it looks sloppy. It does. It's sloppy. That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. It's not their fault. They just didn't make them that way. Untuck it makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. They're not too long. They're not too short. They look clean, casual. My wife loves them, loves them. The first time I came out, they sent me a couple. She's like, that's a nice looking shirt right there. They sent me a couple. With more than 50 fit combos, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Go to untuckit.com or visit one of Untucket's 50 stores across the U.S. and Canada. Untucket even offers free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. Use promo code BONGINO for, get a load of this, 20% off your first purchase. That's a lot. Promo code BONGINO, my last name, for 20% off your first purchase. So if you want the perfect fitting shirt, regardless of your shape and size, try the original untucked shirt. It's going to look great on you. I promise you're going to love it. And the quality is unmatched. Remember, use promo code BONGINO for 20% off your first purchase. Please go check these out. These sponsors really enjoy being on the show. They'd love to hear from you. Untuckit.com. Uh, that's untuckit.com. Promo code BONGINO. All right, listen, here, let me get to this first. Uh, Hey, one quick note administratively about the show. We're dumping episode numbers from the title. I know that's going to drive a lot of you crazy, but Paula doesn't want to answer a couple hundred emails. I don't blame her about it. We have to. um, Apple, for some reason, is cracking down on episode numbers in the title. I guess we're having some spam problem, Uh, but we will be tagging them. The numbers will still be there when you click on the details uh, in the show. So they're still going to be done chronologically, but we can't put the episode number in the title anymore. So that's why that happened, just so you know. 
Okay, a bit of a recap quickly on Vietnam. First, from just a personal perspective on the ground, now having been here about seven days or so. You know, I've traveled to a lot of places. This is now my 37th country or so. Uh, you know, obviously my last line of work, we travel quite a bit. It's been interesting running into my Secret Service friends here. They're all so great. It's just, uh, it's a real honor to have served with him. I met a guy, Phil, this morning I used to work with. He was a counter-assault guy. That's our SWAT team in the Secret Service. We call him the CAT team. And I ran into him outside of the JW Marriott. They're all leaving quick because, the, of course, the uh, summit wrapped up prematurely and there was no deal. Oh, don't worry, I'll get to that stuff. But it's really been fascinating running into them and seeing my old friends. And they're a lot older now, just like me. They've got a lot of grays. And a lot of them are supervisors in the Secret Service. And we were all trainees together. And I could tell you from a pretty traveled perspective, I don't mean that in kind of a, you know, Thurston Howell way, but just from my line of work, that the people here are really um, unbelievably accommodating and very eager to show off their country. This isn't some propaganda for them. I don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, nobody asked me to say it. But again, I haven't traveled around quite a bit. The people here are very eager to showcase Vietnam um, as a growing economy. And ladies and gentlemen, there are projects going up everywhere. I only bring this up, but not to state the obvious for those of you who've been here, um, but to show you the power of some semblance of economic freedom and capitalism. I'm not going to tell you it's a capitalist country. Of, you know, it's, it's, they wouldn't say that. But capitalism is growing here, um, is, is taking a economic freedom is taking hold. And it's just interesting to see how the, the city of Hanoi is just bustling. There's construction projects all over the place. You have major corporate business, Starbucks, right across the street from the hotel. I mean, I'm not a huge Starbucks fan, uh, yeah, right. but I'm, I'm running on the, uh, I'm, excuse, I'm doing the elliptical thing, the pre-core, and I'm looking out the window. And every time I see a Starbucks, I think, gosh, I mean, we were at literally at war with this country just decades ago. And now you've got a Starbucks across the street from a, uh, a major hotel. So it's a bustling country and the people are really, really accommodating and very, very eager to show off their country as an economic powerhouse in the region. Now, that meant something to Trump, folks. It meant something to Trump, and he did this strategically. Obviously, like I said, the summit wrapped up early. There was no deal. I don't think it was a failure. We'll talk about that. But I said on Fox the other day that the, the selection of Vietnam as a, a, a target location for this summit had a strategic purpose on both sides that I want you to think through. For Trump, it mattered because Trump's a smart guy, contrary to the idiots in the media, um, who uh, got degrees in journalism. Hey, nothing wrong with that, but you, you know, I'm sorry you couldn't hack it anywhere else. So you write articles for a living about people like Trump. Well, Trump earns a couple billion dollars and gets elected president. <laughs> but you'll continue to write about how stupid he is and how smart you are uh, while you're writing clickbait pieces uh, you know, for, the, for, the, for the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. But Trump's no dope. Trump selected Vietnam because he wanted Kim to see the model of economic development that's possible without, say, full-blown capitalism or a constitutional republic, which they don't have here in that sense in Vietnam, but they're at least starting to embrace economic freedom. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Uh -huh. The message to Kim was obvious that, listen, poverty is not inevitable. Economic growth, prosperity, and being a respected country on the world stage can happen. We were at, uh, folks, literally at war with this. I, I lost my uncle here just south of Thu Duc, Vietnam. He died heroically here in combat with the Vietnamese. And just decades later, they've become a, a respected partner of the United States that's starting to embrace economic freedom. And you're seeing the positive externalities uh, flow down to the people here of Vietnam. Kim could have that too. Trump wanted him to see that. But the selection of Vietnam also worked for the North Koreans too. 
Think about it, Joe. I know I've said it before if you've been watching my hits on Fox, but there are really two models here of integration when it comes to the integration of a country. There's the German model, East and West Germany, and we won. Mm-hmm. The free market capitalism and freedom won out. Uh, the, you know, the, the, Mr. Gorbachev tear, tear down that wall. The East and Western Germany reunification, we won. Our ideas went out, and Germany's been an economic powerhouse ever since. But the Vietnamese have been quite an economic powerhouse as well, not nearly to the degree of Germany. Let's not be hyperbolic. But in the region, they've done quite well. That messaging works for Kim, too, though, because the communists were not thrown out of power. When we left Vietnam, the communists obviously had won won the day. That's a whole separate show we could do. But the communists had won the day but eventually realized that that wasn't a appropriate economic governing model for prosperity. So I think what Kim was trying to say as well is, all right, well, Vietnam, you think the economy's great and you want to show it to me? Well, remember, uh, Mr. Trump, the communists won, wink, wink, nod, nod. In other words, I'm not leaving power. If we reunify with the South Koreans, I'm not leaving power. I need some security guarantees too. Hmm. And I would like it to be a little more of a soft fall like the Vietnamese communists had. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. And the Vietnamese model, um, had, it worked for both parties here. Now, a couple of notes. The summit wrapped up early, and uh, what, I, what I find odd about this is the liberal media cannot seem to get its story straight. And these stories are so, knocking the liberal media has gotten so easy because they, they crap on their own stories, Joe. They can't figure out how to keep a consistent narrative. The narrative just a few days ago, because Joe and I, again, are recording a couple hours early. I don't mm-hmm. like to be uh, dishonest with anyone, but the shows are still as temporal as we can make them here. Um, uh, just a few hours ago, where they, the media was saying, well, listen, Trump is going to get suckered. I heard these stories on, uh, what is it, MSNBC and CNN. He's going to take a bad deal. There was, uh, I saw David Nakamura from the Washington Post uh, tweeted out something to the effect of, this doesn't look like a guy who's going to, Who's going to get a good deal? He's 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 eager to to make friends, right? To, to to make friends with Kim with Kim, and uh, th- this deal's not going to work out. Trump's going to get suckered. So the lead for the liberal media was, you know, Trump's going to get suckered by a bad deal because he just wants any deal to distract from Cohen. Well, folks, Trump throws him for a loop again. What does he do, Joe? He walks away from what he admits was a bad deal. The deal was going to be Kim would. Uh, would uh, decommission Young beyond his main nuclear facility, but just one of uh, Pongi, Ri, and others out there that he had just one in exchange for sanctions relief. Trump had said from the start, nobody took him at his word, Joe, because they think Trump's an idiot while they're the idiots themselves. Trump had said from the start, he's not giving sanctions relief until he gets a complete accounting and firm steps, verifiable steps towards denuclearization. Did he not say that, Joe? Mm. Did they miss that? Mm-hmm. You and I heard it. Yeah. You need me to say, play the sound clips? I don't even want to waste your time. Trump had said it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Everybody always, Trump, 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 Trump. All you got to do is listen to the guy. Trump, I'm going to declare a national emergency. I can't believe it. He declared a national emergency. <laughs> you know, I love Sean Hannity. He's a great friend. But Hannity says it all the time in his show. And I just listen to the guy's words. He, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to take a deal that doesn't give some sort of verifiable steps towards denuclearization. And what, what's one of the first things you learn when you're negotiating? You got to be ready to walk. You got to be able to every turn time. your back and walk. You got to be ready. Yeah. Joe, every so, at, Listen, some of the best negotiators, I'm not kidding, folks, I have ever dealt with, and Joe, I know this is going to mean something to you because it's personal. I won't say why, but Joe knows why. I don't want to out it. Real estate, right? 
<laughs> Real estate agents are some of the best. This is all they do. Listen, some people don't like the real estate bit. I'm telling you, I've bought and sold out, not that many, but enough to deal with real estate people and have a lot of friends in the business. They do this all day. They are so, the good ones are some of the, you want them at a table if you're negotiating an IPO. I'm telling you, yes, sir. this is all they do, right, Joe? You know what yep. I'm talking about, yeah. right? Waking up. They are unbelievable. They will negotiate you out of your own refrigerator in your house. They're <laughs> so good. This is all they do. Oh, conveniently, what business is Trumpet? <laughs> He's in real estate. He's in real estate development. And people are, oh my gosh, Trump's going to get suckered. He did not get suckered. He told the North Koreans what his red line was. A full declaration, verifiable steps, some kind of signed agreement on verifiable denuclearization steps. The North Koreans said no. They said, we'll only give you one young beyond this facility, not the other ones. And Trump said, okay, thanks. Have a nice day. And then the media, oh my God, yep. Trump walked away with no deal. Oh, what a loser. Wait, five minutes ago, you were just saying he was going to get suckered by a bad deal. He gets a bad deal. He walks away. And now you're mocking him for not taking the bad deal. But you understand, Joe, this makes sense to them. I know it doesn't make sense to you because I, I know you. I, I, I do. I read your tweets. I, not all of you, but a good amount of you. I, I have a good insight because mm -hmm. my emailers who email me, email me regularly. Mm -hmm. And I read your emails and I, I, I feel like I know you, you know, your families. I, feel, I, I, I know my audience. To you, this is like a really dumb thing. But to the media, this makes sense. Trump's going to get suckered by a bad deal. He just wants to change the Cohen story. He's going to give the United States over in whole to the North Koreans. Sign away everything. It's going to be the reverse Louisiana compact. We're going to give the North Koreans Louisiana. <laughs> We're going to give the French back Louisiana. I mean, it was so dumb. <laughs> Trump. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the hyperbolic stuff. Like, oh, is he the master negotiator? Oh. Listen, whatever. I don't, I don't care, but the, the, I don't need the adjectives. But to claim somehow this guy is not at least a very good, skilled negotiator, it's just dumb. It's dumb. Mm -hmm. We're on the cusp of a deal finally with China, a good deal with China on, on, on freer, fairer trade. We've had some, some good negotiations on foreign soil. We have finally have, I think we, we've got some kind of semblance of sanity going on now with the Russians who understand what red lines they can't cross, whereas Obama, they just stomped all over him. Are we going to give the guy some credit? It was a bad deal. He walked away. A couple more notes on this and I'll move on. Folks, Kim agreed to no, uh, to, to a, a hiatus a, a, on nuclear, on, excuse me, on missile testing. It's been 400 days since he lobbed a missile now. How are we not better off than we were 400 days ago? I don't want to be dramatic. This is not an end to all hostilities between these countries. Yes, the North Koreans are still a nuclear power. But do you want to go back to 400 days ago where they were launching missiles over Japan, setting off air sirens? And it was a legitimate, folks. If you know people on the inside, you know what I mean. A legitimate threat of thermonuclear war with the North Koreans? Is that what you want to go back to? I'm not trying to cover for anyone. There was no deal. Obviously, it would have been successful to get something down on paper. But there is absolutely no question that the accomplishments of this administration in, 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 in de-escalating a potentially apocalyptic, catastrophic disaster, no hyperbole there with the North Koreans, we are now not at that red line. If we were at a 10, we're now at a 7. I'll take it. Kim agreed to keep that... Uh, to put a put a uh, put a, a stop to the new missile launches. We'll see if he follows through. 
but it's been 400 days so far, and we are far better off than we were. Another takeaway, sanctions are killing the North Koreans, folks. You talk to a lot of people on the ground here, I don't mean the Vietnamese, I mean the people here who are, you know, the experts, but I mean people who are not egomaniacs, but this is what they do. They, they study the uh, Southeast, Southeast Asia, um, Asia, the region, this is their thing. They'll tell you the North Koreans are starving, folks. They are starving. The country is literally starving. It has no hard currency. Its currency is worthless. It cannot pay for anything on international markets due to sanctions. And even if it could, Joe, its currency is absolutely worthless. It's not worth the paper it's printed on. Right. The North Koreans need hard currency. When I say hard currency, I mean currency that can be used to obtain food, fuel, products, development. Hard currency would be you know, the Chinese uh, renminbi, the U.S. dollar. That would be the Brazilian dollars, anything but theirs. The sanctions we have imposed upon them by Donald Trump, who the media says, oh, he can't make any deals, he's terrible. The sanctions are working, Joe. They're starving. He desperately needs these to go away. That's why Kim walked out, because he needs these sanctions to go away, but he doesn't want to give up his nuclear weapons. Why? Because as I've said on this show a hundred times, the lesson from the Iraq war with the United States, every single country with nuclear weapons took away from that, is you give up, you never ever go to war with the United States without nukes because they will annihilate you, and if you give them up, you're in deep trouble. The Gaddafi lesson also scares them a little bit, but it doesn't have to be that way. So Kim's afraid to give up his nukes, but the sanctions are killing him. It is foremost on his mind. Now, it's not that his people are starving, Joe, that bothers him. It's that his military is starving, too. You can't be a tyrant, Joe, without a military to back you up. He is a couple years away from a full-blown disaster. 90% of North Korean trade is with who? China. Their trade is down roughly 80% with the North Koreans. So if 90% of your trade is with China... And that's down 80%. Ladies and gentlemen, they have no money. This regime cannot survive. Trump is doing what Trump does best. Negotiating and doing what, Joe? Waiting them out. Bingo. But he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know. Let me uh, listen. uh, uh, Noah from Colorado, if you listen to yesterday's show, who's now now writing for uh, Vox.com. Vox with a V, 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 not Fox. I always get emails, but so Noah from Colorado writing for Vox. He's writing a piece. Mister Trump is so stupid. Yeah, Noah, why don't you get in there? You go figure. You negotiate with Kim Jong Un. Uh, knock you, knock yourself out, buddy. I'd love to see you at the table with your journalism degree, Mister Cam. I mean, Noah, Noah, from after you got out of the the, the, the Texas Rubies with, with the you know talking to uh, Cowboy <laughs> Joe, who was eating his two pounds of brisket and trying to tell him you want the popular vote compact, Mister Cowboy Joe. Here's what we're gonna do with Texas. Get Noah in there. Trump is doing what he does best. He saw a bad deal, and he's waiting him out. Now, another note on this. Folks, Reagan did the same thing. I brought up on the Hannity shows Wednesday night. I'm losing track because we're 12 hours ahead. <laughs> I'm talk about that, too, in a second. But it's getting crazy. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot keep track of time. I can't. Folks, I am totally lost on time. The poor lady here with Fox, who... um coordinates the vehicles i'm like confusing her to death she's i said i'll tell you about that in a second but the reagan model this happened with reagan for those of you old enough to remember i know you remember joe reagan goes to reykjavik Mm -hmm. with gorbachev uh the negotiation on the table listen they were complicated but the soviet union wanted us to get rid of sdi which the democrats uh 
in a, in a way to disparage the program called Star Wars. Remember our our, our space-based defense system mm-hmm. against nuclear weapons? SDI, ladies and gentlemen, Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, again, with the slimy Democrats called Star Wars to make it sound bad, scared the hell out of the Russians. The Russians were horrified because what would SDI do, Joe? SDI would have taken away the threat of MAD, mutually assured destruction. Yep. MAD is what, mutually assured destruction is right. what kept Russia and the United States from going to war during the Cold War. Mutually assured destruction meant if we went to war, we'd both nuke each other and we'd all be dead. We'd mutually assure each other's destruction. Therefore, let's not assure anybody's destruction and let's not go to war. So the idea of this strategic balance had become accepted by the foreign policy intelligentsia who just thought it was going to be the de facto status quo. And they were almost happy with it. I don't know about you, Joe, but I am not happy uh, with mutually assured destruction or the idea that another country on a whim could destroy us. And whether they, you know, who knows, maybe one day they don't care about their own people. Like, you know what? Let's just whack the United States. I'm not willing to take that chance. No, no. Reagan wasn't either. So Reagan said, I'm not going to settle with MAD anymore. I'm not going to allow a mutually assured destruction, uh, you know, uh, template to take over all of our foreign policy negotiations with the Soviets in the future. So he started the development of SDI. They go to Reykjavik. uh, They're negotiating. Gorbachev wants SDI gone. And the the talks hinged over really one word or one phrase, and it was the testing. Gorbachev wanted a ban on testing. He wanted it restricted to the laboratory. He didn't want real-world testing of the Star Wars-based defense system, as the Democrats called it. Reagan said, we're not doing that. I am not giving up SDI. Oh, my gosh. Go read the newspaper headlines from back then. Remember that, Joe? The media. Reagan (laughs) gets worked over and... In, uh, in Reykjavik, Reagan could have given up. He could have gotten rid of all the nukes. Instead, he holds on to this stupid Star Wars program. Ah, you're so dumb, Reagan. Ah. Meanwhile, what happened a year later? They signed the INF, the Inter- Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Agreement, in 1987. Gorbachev uh, and Reagan Reagan brought the Soviet Union to its knees. <laughs> you're darn right. Folks, patience. Patience. Again, we're not golden calf worshipers here. We're realists. Trump is a fantastic negotiator. He knew exactly what he was doing. He walked away from a bad deal. We had the same economic leverage over the... Matter of fact, I'd argue even more we have over the North Koreans now than we did over the Soviets, who at least at the time had a, a broken, horrendous economy, but some semblance of an economy. North Koreans have nothing. It is a, it's a barter economy now at best. It is a train wreck. Trump understands he's got leverage. He walked away just like Reagan did. Okay, um, moving on. Yeah, just one note on the time. If the show sounds a little bit uh, different this week, it's it's not because I you know I get up at the I'm on Eastern time. I'm recording at actually the same time, um, a couple hours before, but this roughly the same time we do at home. But it, we are exactly twelve hours ahead. <laughs> so when it's three p.m. your time, it's three a.m. our time. So everybody here at Fox, uh, where I'm over here with, they, they brought over quite a crew. We're all working on Eastern time because our broadcast schedule doesn't change. So we have to stay working all through the night and then sleep during the day. Now, keep in mind, when I was a Secret Service agent, it's the opposite. You can't do that, Joe. When, you, when I landed in Indonesia, which is in the same region, I was the lead advance. You have to host meetings with the locals. They're not going to do it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. You've got to get on local time, like mm-hmm. stat, like the next day. And it would be horrible because you can't. It takes it takes a roughly a day for each time zone you cross to adjust. So if you're crossing twelve time zones, which if you're on the opposite side of the world, that's what you're doing. You're twelve hours ahead. That's the farthest you can go. You start coming around the other way. I've said this a couple of times. You start, you know, 
you start it's actually closer yeah as you start zipping around the hook so with the secret service it'd be tough with this i have been pretty good for the last four or five days i've been on eastern time staying up all night and i was just telling joe in the middle of the night here in vietnam Unlike in New York and D.C., where there's still a little bit of bustle. You go out in New York at 3 o'clock in the morning. Joe, you've been up there. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, man. Even in Baltimore. Yeah. There's people on the street. And, right. you know, it's not hopping like it is at 12 noon. But you can still see people, folks, in Vietnam at 3 o'clock in the morning. When I'm going out to do Hannity's radio show. Because remember, it's 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 3 a, it's three p where you guys are. That's when Hannity's radio show starts Easter time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Brother. Crickets. I have never seen anything like it. It is a ghost town. <laughs> there is not a soul anywhere on the street. It is incredible, Joe. I've never, I, I, I drove from my hotel other to the, over to the other hotel where we're doing radio, and uh, it, I did not see one soul. And one other thing about, about Vietnam that's it's, it's, uh, kind of interesting, the traffic here is, is bad. It's not as bad as Indonesia, but it's, everybody's on scooters here. I was mentioning it the other day. Yeah. But red lights here are like optional. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if it's illegal. Nobody pays any attention. To, I was coming back from the hotel. So yesterday really hit me. I was super tired. It was the first night I was here. I'll wrap this up in a second. I don't want to tell too many personal stories, but I'm enjoying this a little bit. So I've been working through the night, no problem. My brain, for those of you who travel internationally, you, there's a feeling. I don't know how to describe it. Your brain just knows you're still on Eastern time. Even though it's night, you still feel like it's the day. Right, right. Yesterday was the first day where it was three o'clock in the morning. I was going over to Hannity's radio. Yesterday was the first day I was really tired. Like it hit me that it's three o'clock in the morning, dude. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like I can tell <laughs> my brain after seven days of no sun, because we work all night, was starting to kick in that something's not right here. And I, it finally hit me. If you saw me on Hannity's show, Yesterday morning, which is yesterday night Eastern time, you saw my eyes were just sunken in like I was super tired. So uh, yesterday was the first day. It really, really slammed me bad. And I was driving over and I was coming back and I told the guy, I'm like, listen, just get me back to the hotel after I did the radio show. So now it's like five o'clock in the morning and it's still pitch dark. And dude, they, it's the, all they do is honk the horn at the red light. Like, hey, I'm coming. <laughs> they don't even slow down. The driver, I was like, this is, I believe I've never seen anything like it. There's no, one of the guys told me the joke here is, uh, what do you call the uh, the uh, painted lines in the street down here in Vietnam? And I said, what? He goes, wasted paint. Because it's just like, <laughs> but no, but here's the crazy thing. And I'm not saying this is like, you know, to knock the folks here. Nobody gets in an accident. And a guy said to me that I posted a video on my uh, my Twitter account about how the traffic circles here have no traffic signs at all. And yet nobody gets hit. Mm. It is the most amazing. It, and the guy said, you know, you missed a great analogy. The analogy is capitalism. How when you allow people to organize themselves, they will do it. They're not going to get hit. And what they do is at these intersections, they're just super careful. And no, Joe, people, I'm, I am not messing with you. Mm. People come within inches of other cars. And I have yet to see one. I'm not saying there's not accidents. I want to be dramatic. But right. I've been on the roads here seven days. You would think in a system with no traffic lights in a city of what, 100, 200,000 people, there would, people would be getting killed every, I haven't seen anything. I have not seen one fender bender. It's the most amazing wow. thing I've ever seen. So it's been fascinating. That's my little recap. I'm a Vietnam. So finally, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, be flying home and I'll get back to Eastern time and next week we'll be back to normal. And the good news is 
We should next week have some full shows up on video um, on our YouTube account. So you may want to start checking those out if you want to check out the video show. Um, okay, let's see. What's next? All right, just a quick recap of Cohen because I want to get rocking and rolling on this uh, dossier stuff, which I promise you, you are not going to want to miss. I know I tease a lot of stuff, but this is worth your time. It reminded me of an article I read that I'd left behind and I, I should be promoting more. Just again about the Cohen thing. The Michael Cohen hearing was a disaster for the Democrats, folks. It wasn't great for Trump either. You know, Cohen up there lying about Trump being a racist and stuff was obviously not a good day for Trump. It was all garbage. Everybody knows that's not true. There's no, there's never been an allegation, uh, a serious, credible allegation that Trump is a racist. It's just stupid. It's, it's as a guy, uh, you know, you know who you are, emails me every day. It's one of those, when did you stop beating your wife stories? Yeah. In other words, Trump's a racist. Well, they asked Mr. Cohen, Michael Cohen. They said, well, can you prove it? Do you have it? Is anybody else going to say? Well, no, no one can prove it. And then what happens? They, they get Trump on the record, the headline, Trump, I'm not a racist. That's the when did you stop beating your wife? I don't beat my wife. I mean, that's what they do. The media does. Everybody knows these are nonsense allegations. But one more thing that came out of this, um, before I get to the Prague dossier angle here, is Cohen contradicted himself. He, he discredited himself completely. When asked about what he thought of himself, Cohen said, if, if Trump is a liar, what are you? Cohen says, I'm a fool. Uh, okay, well, we agree. You are. Uh, that was maybe the one true thing Cohen said. But at what point during the testimony, he steps on himself and he says, and I, I, I may have discussed this during yesterday's show. Forgive me. I've been so busy. But he says Trump treated his campaign like an infomercial. In other words, he wasn't serious about winning. He was just doing it to build his brand. But no less than what, an hour, two hours later, he's being questioned by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Joe. Mm -hmm. And what does he say? He says, but he would have done anything to win this race. That doesn't make sense, folks. No. Do you get the non sequitur there? Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Cohen's either lying or he's, for a guy who worked for Trump for 10 years, he's grossly misreading Donald Trump. You know, you can't say, let me say, let's say, say me and Joe were having a beef, right? Uh -huh. And I said, well, Joe never took this job seriously. He was only treating it as a pathway to get to other places. And then they ask me later on about Joe. Go, Joe would have done anything to keep this job. He loved this job so much. Folks, you understand. I mean, I'm using a dopey analogy, right, right. but yeah, that's, that's how stupid what Cohen said is. Mm -hmm. You can't, Those two things can't exist at the same time. Either Cohen didn't take, either Trump didn't take the job seriously running for president and was promoting his brand, or he would have done anything to win. And it was interesting because when Debbie Wasserman Schultz was asking the question, she was asking a question. I want to be clear on this. Do you think it's possible Trump could have colluded with the Russians? Now, Cohen said he had no evidence of that, to be fair to Cohen, that, that Trump was colluding with the Russians. But when Wasserman Schultz asked him if it was possible, in other words, Joe, another did you beat your wife question. Yes, sir. Cohen says, well, it's possible because he would have done anything to win. So you see when the argument hey. changes Prince, uh, on, 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 the, on the gaslighting effort they're trying to make, Cohen changes his story. In the beginning... He's trying to paint Trump as an unserious idiot. Oh, he was running like an infomercial. So that's what he says. And then when it's Russian collusion, which would have required Trump to be a traitor and done some very serious things to win the race, all of a sudden, oh, he would have done anything to win. So he's a fool. Now, uh, moving on, we talked yesterday about the Prague thing. Now, the Prague thing was a stake in the heart of the collusion hoax. The collusion hoax is over. It's over. Now, the Seth Abramsons of the world, the conspiracy theorist, that guy's losing his mind, by the way, on Twitter. He's such a wacko. It is unbelievable. I only bring him up. I hate to keep promoting this guy because it, he, he's actually worth checking his Twitter feed out because you, he is a summation of the entire media hacktivist left. And they're just bizarre, 
almost sociopathic attachment to a narrative that is now dead. It's over. The collusion hoax is over. The central tenet of the dossier is Michael Cohen's trip to Prague to coordinate the whole collusion effort with the Russians. Michael Cohen just said again for the umpteenth time on the record, uh, was it two days ago, on Capitol Hill during his hearings, you can see I'm losing track of time, um, that he, he's never been to Prague. It's over, ladies and gentlemen, it's over. But let's segue into something. I was kicking this around last night and I'm like, am I really getting through to my audience the gravity of the situation here? What's going on for the Democrats? Why sleazeball Adam Schiff Swalwell? And the media who are so deeply invested in the collusion narrative are now in trouble. Folks, the dossier was the bedrock core of information they used in the FISA warrant to spy on Trump. The central component of that, again, was the allegation that Cohen, his lawyer, had coordinated this during a trip to Prague. That has entirely fallen apart. But there's another angle to this, folks. I want to throw a major league hat tip to my buddy Lee Smith, write some great articles. And I have an article in the show notes today, please. I am humbly, respectfully asking you to read it. It's an article from last year, from December. Sorry, 2017. It's by Lee and Tablet Mag. It's the first article in the show notes today at Bongino.com. If you subscribe to my email list, I'll email them to you as I say every day. And it describes to you what I've been calling the movie script scenario. How I forgot this article, I don't know. But I was doing some homework, kind of jarring my own memory, how I had come to the movie script. And I came across Lee's article. And I thought, I read this before. I knew it. Lee sums up in about 1,000 or 1,200 words, take about 10 minutes to read, beautifully what we're calling the movie script scenario. That the dossier, Joe, which was the, the information paid for by Hillary to spy on the Trump team, was mm-hmm. nothing more than a movie script that had already been written. Right. It was a movie script written by, at the time, Wall Street Journal writer, now Fusion GPS head, Glenn Simpson and his wife, Mary Jacoby. Smith lays this out beautifully. So let me, again, give you the headline of our story here. The dossier is now collapsed. The dossier was it. But as Lee points out, there was another... Let's call it the golden file that was used to go and, uh, and, and prosecute the Trump team. It wasn't just or spy on the Trump team. It wasn't just the dossier. Now, in case you doubt me on this, I want to play a cut. This is from a while ago. This is, not, this is a few months back. This is Devin Nunes on the Sean Hannity show. Keep in mind what we're listening for. We were under the assumption for a long time that it was only the dossier which is now entirely debunked and discredited. But Nunes, if you employ the Nunes translator, there's something else that was presented to the courts, the Obama administration, something else they were using, some other piece of information that Nunes believes is even worse than the dossier. We've been saying this for a while. Here's a cut from a while back, and we'll talk about, say, let's call it the golden file information. Play that cut. It would give finality to everyone who wants to know exactly what their government did to a political campaign. Uh, That's why we want this FISA out there. I always talk about this last FISA because people will learn about the insurance policy. They'll finally learn the insurance policy that the that struck and was the insurance They'll learn what it is. The Russian Uh, investigation. So if you were. uh, Well, 
I actually don't think so. I think the insurance policy was a lot of people thought that. But what we believe the insurance policy is, is what's remaining in the in the last FISA that no one knows yet. So it's what James Comey called a mosaic. It's the other facts that they that they had uh, to go before the FISA court. Uh, we think another that that FISA against and, another and look, individual. Remember, no, no, no. This is the same. The, the Carter Page okay. FISA. So remember when we when we came out and said the bulk of the FISA was made up yeah. of the phony dossier and the fake news. And then you had all of these people scramble around and say, no, 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 there was all this other information. Well, we went in and we began to look at that other information. And we found out that it, too, was not only phony, but I think also wow. as concerning, if not more concerning, than the original information that was used uh, in the Christopher well, Steele dossier. I hope- what? What? <laughs> <laughs> now, Daddy, yo, you and I have been on this for a while, so there's nothing new here. Yeah, babe. Think about, employ the Nunes translator. What he's saying here, this explains everything. This explains why Rosenstein's in so much trouble. This explains why they don't want the declassification to happen. This explains why Trump is waiting. What Nunes just said explains everything. He is saying there is something in that last FISA renewal. Remember, there's a first FISA warrant uh, around October, and there are three renewals to spy on Carter Page and through the two-hop rule, hopping to Carter Page's context and in his context, the two-hop rule you can employ on a FISA warrant, which gives you a whole dragnet of surveillance on the Trump team. There's well, the first FISA and there's three renewals. Those renewals happen through the uh, inaugural months or the initial months of the Trump presidency. The last FISA, the fourth FISA, is the one Devin Nunes has been harping on, the third renewal for Eon saying there's something in there other than the dossier that's even worse, Joe. Right. Now, putting this pieces to putting the pieces together here, we'll call that the golden file information. There's something golden in there that we're all missing out on. And that is in fact insurance insurance policy. Now, what could that be? Folks, I don't I I can't say it a name on the show, obviously for if I'm not sure, I don't, I don't do what liberals do. And I wouldn't put, I'm not going to put something out there I can't prove. Right. But from my exhaustive homework on this, I am reasonably confident that I know who the source is. And I think the information Nunes is talking about is a Russian source who was giving information to the U.S. government that is not in the dossier. Now, you may say, well, why is that worse than the dossier, Dan? The dossier is fake. Like, what is this, like extra fake information? No, 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 no. Joe, think about it. Let me use Joe language. Hey, babe, yeah, put man. two and two together here. If we know the dossier is fake now, mm-hmm. Michael Cohen's debunked it. Mm-hmm. And Devin Nunes is saying there's something else in the fourth FISA that is even worse than fake information. How do you get worse than fake information used to spy on someone? Maybe it was fake because the Russians planted it. In other words, not only was it right. You digging, daddy Not only was the information uh, a level seven stinker, but it was planted there intentionally to get the United States to do something it didn't want to do. It was Let's say Simpsons information is the movie script. In other words, Simpsons had a financial motive to sell his movie script about Russian influence in the U.S. through Paul Manafort. 
His dossier was like a movie script he'd already written. I've described to you multiple times an article he writes with his wife in the Wall Street Journal Mm -hmm. in 2007, which Lee Smith links to in this piece, by the way, which you must read, please, I'm begging you. That is the movie script. 2007, he had already had this script written, Glenn Simpson and his wife, about how the Russians were... So, but he had a financial interest as the head of Fusion GPS to sell this. This is what he does to sell opposition research. I'm not saying he was, you know, it was just a financial thing. He may have genuinely hated Paul Manafort and may, may not have liked Trump either. Mm -hmm. But Joe, that's a far different level of malevolence and malfeasance than a potential Russian source being maybe dictated to by Russian intelligence to leak things to people in the U.S. to get the United States government to do things a foreign adversary wants us to do. Now, you may say, well, Dan, what evidence do you have of this? Let's go back to the piece. Lee talks about a June 23rd, 2017 Washington Post article, which again, he, he sublinks to in the piece, and you should read it. This one's creeped up before. Here's, let me quote from, it's, it's a piece by Greg Miller, Ellen Nakashima, and Adam Entius, who is, you know, has, he's come up as the subject of a couple of different uh, leaks. He says, a report, this is from the Washington Post piece, June 23rd, 2017. The significance of that date, keep that date in mind, June 23rd, 2017. Okay, folks, take a little note. It's going to be important. This was in the Washington Post. Inside was an intelligence bombshell, writes the authors. A report drawn from sourcing deep inside the Russian government that detailed Vladimir Putin's direct involvement in a cyber campaign to disrupt and discredit the U.S. presidential race. <gasps> the golden file information. There was a report from a source deep inside the U.S. government that Putin was involved in a cyber campaign to screw up the presidential <gasps> Wow. Presidential race. But it went further, Joe. The intelligence captured Putin's specific instructions on the operation's audacious objectives, defeat or at least damage the Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton and help elect her opponent, Donald Trump. Folks, does that make any sense to you? Do you really believe we had a source inside the Russian government where as Barack Obama himself had acknowledged uh, kind of uh, roundaboutly many times, we were having a tough time gathering intel on. Matter of fact, Devin Nunes, uh, as Lee again indicates in the piece, it said we're largely flying blind with Russia. In other words, our intelligence sources in Russia aren't very good anymore, Joe. Mm -hmm. So we have a source right next to Vladimir Putin, and we're outing that source in the Washington Post? Folks, does that make any sense to you? If you have half a brain, it probably doesn't. There was no source close to Vladimir Putin. Or maybe there was, Joe. But maybe that source close to Vladimir Putin wasn't working for us. He was working for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> hey, feed to them. We're going to screw up their whole election. Now, keep in mind, Putin, along with everyone else, probably thinks Hillary Clinton's going to win. <laughs> All they want to do is sow chaos. Why? Because they want the United States to destroy itself from within. They want the United States, Republicans and Democrats to go at it. All the Russians want is a little apple seed of doubt that this election is legitimate. So we'll go at each other's throats like, uh, uh, you know, werewolves like that movie Underworld, the lichens and the vampires. Yeah. And how do you do it? 
you get us to turn on ourselves. What I think is in that golden file information outside of the dossier is a fake Russian source who's probably some kind of a double. Pretends he's working for us, and I'm almost positive I know who it is. But is really, you probably know too, if you listen to the show, but is really working for the Russian government. In other words, these idiots got played in the Obama administration because they wanted to get played. Because the information reflected poorly on Trump, they hoovered it up like a, like a nasty broken vacuum cleaner. Now, it, I told you to keep that date in mind and say that haphazardly. June 23rd, 2017, that Washington Post article comes out where a major U.S. source close to Putin apparently is outed. Nonsense. Garbage. Made up. The next day, Glenn Simpson's wife, Mary Jacoby, June 24, 2017, the next day after that piece, the movie script author who's been selling his movie script about Russian influence in the United States all the way back since 2007 in the Wall Street Journal. By the way, his story is not inaccurate. I'm not claiming his Wall Street Journal piece is inaccurate. The story in 2007 is actually pretty good. My beef is that he transplanted it to Donald Trump without doing a fact check. In other words, he erased the characters and just put Trump's name in there, right? Mm-hmm. The next day after that Washington Post piece comes out, Mary Jacoby unloads on her Facebook. What, who's she unload on, Joe? She unloads on the FBI. Let me read from Lee Smith's piece. This is fascinating stuff. In a Facebook post from June 24th, 2017, that tablet has seen in screenshots, so Lee has seen this, Jacoby, again, Glenn Simpson from Fusion GPS, wife, claimed that her husband, Simpson, deserves the lion's share of the credit for Russiagate. It's come to my attention, she wrote, that some people still don't realize what Glenn's role, Glenn Simpson's role was, in exposing Putin's control of Donald Trump, Jacoby wrote. How did they find out about that? Maybe that Russian source? Let's be clear, she continues. Glenn conducted the investigation. Glenn hired Chris Steele. Chris Steele worked for Glenn. Lee goes on, Lee Smith. This assertion is hardly a simple assertion of family pride. It goes directly to the nature of what became known as the Steele dossier, on which the Russiagate narrative is founded. The fact that Jacoby is a reporter who shared bylines with her husband at the Wall Street Journal is another reason to take her Facebook post seriously. Now, it gets better here. In her post, she goes on to take a shot at the FBI and to laud the efforts of the John Brennan hack goon at the CIA, police state John Brennan. She goes to laud how wonderful the CIA's been and how terrible the FBI's been. She says, the CIA, quote, hopped to and immediately worked to verify it, talking about the dossier. By August of 2016, the CIA had verified the key finding of the dossier to the point that, as the Washington Post revealed, Washington Post, you mean that article from the day before? It was having eyes only top secret meetings with Obama about it. Whoa, wow, look at that. So there's some golden file information likely produced by Simpson that may not have been in Steele's dossier, but somehow makes it to the Central Intelligence Agency, 
which she claims they verified. That is categorically false. It is not true. There have been no credible allegations of Trump-Russian collusion that have surfaced. This is nonsense. She's making this up. Nunes has been crystal clear that this other chunk of information, this is what I think he's referring to, this separate non-dossier-related garbage that I believe is fed to Simpson or someone else by a fake Russian source and then given over to the CIA. This was also brought into a FISA court and sworn to, but it was not verified. It was garbage. Not only was it garbage, it was likely intentionally misleading counterintelligence given to us by the Russians to screw up our own election. And the fact that she writes here at the end, let me read this again in case you missed it. That this was at an eyes only, this information was presented eyes only top secret meeting with Obama about it. Now. Remember the corpus of intelligence we were joking about the other day? Ah, uh, the corpus, yes. The corpus. How the three key players, or three of the key players, there are many, McCabe, Comey, and Brennan, have all stuck to the same, same storyline. They have stuck to the storyline that it wasn't just the dossier that they had used to bring to the FISA court to get the warrant. Now. Joe, simple question, right? Why would they stick to the story that it wasn't just a dossier? They well, keep it together, babe. They got it was debunked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They they don't want to look like idiots. The dossier is now debunked. Cohen put a knife in it. It's over. Mm-hmm. Cohen, McCabe, and Brennan have to stick to the story that no, 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 there was something else. What we're calling the golden file info that I believe Glenn Simpson's wife's referring to in this Facebook post. We gave this to Brennan, and he ran with it to the White House. The problem is. Devin Nunes, as we, you saw in that soundbite, which he emphasized again the other night on Hannity, I just played that older one because it was a little more descriptive, is insisting that that information is even worse, not just fake, but likely intentionally misleading. The fact that this may have made it to Obama, Joe, and Obama's desk, and was the subject of an eyes-only meeting, and may have been a Russian disinformation campaign that made it directly into the White House, that Jacoby herself seems to believe the CIA was, intelli- was, was passing right through in an intravenous drip right into Barack Obama without bypass- by bypassing all the lower levels so the information could be vetted is a scandal for the ages like we have never heard. Think about it. We have an intelligence infrastructure to vet bad information. So if it makes it to the president's desk in a PDB, a presidential daily brief, or a briefing in the Oval by the director of the CIA that the information the president of the United States who has his finger on the nuclear trigger is getting, Joe, is credible, verified information that he can make responsible decisions on. If we are now IVing, mainlining information right into the Oval Office from essentially, potentially fake Russian sources, to a now discredited newspaper reporter, Glenn Simpson, to Brennan, right to the White House with no bureaucratic vetting beneath it to make sure the information is real. Think about how you could have a newspaper reporter, essentially, Joe, start a nuclear war. Yeah. Is that making sense? Why this is such a devastating scandal now? Now, now, I didn't miss where I was here. Now do you understand the corpus of intelligence line that Brennan used, it wasn't just the dossier, it was a corpus of intelligence. Comey called it, it wasn't just the dossier we used, it was a mosaic of intelligence. 
And now do you understand why Andy McCabe, it wasn't just the dossier, it was a bunch of, he called it articulable facts. Do you understand now why they're using these euphemisms? They're using them, folks, because they can't tell you what, in fact, the corpus mosaic or the articulable facts were. Because the, quote, articulable facts are even uglier than the dossier. So they're not lying when they tell you that, Joe. Mm -hmm. They're not lying. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just hoping and praying that President Trump does not declassify the FISA warrant, the fourth FISA warrant, where these articulable facts, I believe Russian disinformation and other things are in there. You heard it here first. And if he doesn't, they can stick to the party line that, hey, we knew something else and it was there. And that's why we made this bad call without stating the obvious, Joe, that the something else they're talking to is even worse than the thing we know about. Is Am I? Are you picking up what yeah, I'm putting down cool. here, babe? We're cool. Yeah. Okay. They, this is how they get around it. No reporter has put them on the spot yet and said, I can't let you leave until you tell us what the mosaic is. What is the corpus of intelligence? What are the articulable facts outside of the dossier? They will never, ever tell you. They won't tell you because according to Nunes, it's Nunes, it's even worse than the dossier. Now, to circle all the way back to the beginning. Now, does Rosenstein's panic about the declassification of the fourth FISA make sense? Nunes has been clear over and over that there are a select group of pages from the last renewal, Joe, mm -hmm. the last FISA renewal that have this golden file BS garbage, non-dossier related junk, the mm -hmm. corpus, the, mo the, uh, the mosaic. He's been clear that that's in the fourth FISA after they've had an initial FISA and two renewals. Which put your federal investigator hats on, folks. What do you think happened here? I'll tell you what happened. They start an initial FISA on Carter Page based almost exclusively on the dossier. They think they're going to get some information from his emails and his calls, Joe, and the Trump team as well. Because remember the two hop rule. With a FISA, they get Carter Page, people he calls, and then people they call. So they've got a surveillance dragnet on the entire Trump team. Mm -hmm. I believe deep in my soul, that they were absolutely convinced they were going to nail Trump on some kind of crime because they were listening in on all their calls. I believe they were clean as whistles on the collusion front. So they renew the FISA. They renew the FISA again. Now, here's what I think happens, folks. The FISA court is probably getting skeptical at this point. Remember, they'd already been turned down for a FISA in the prior year which is very unusual. The FISA court is likely getting skeptical by the time the third renewal comes up. Why do you think that is, Joe? Because there's nothing there. They have been spying on them for months. They've got zero, nothing. So by the time the fourth FISA comes up, someone at the Bureau, someone at the DOJ, and someone at the intelligence agency working in the small group together probably says, Joe, listen, fellas, ladies, we better put something, we better put some meat on this bone. We're going to need a mosaic, a corpus, and articulable facts other than this initial stuff because it ain't working. All of a sudden, the golden file information appears, which I believe is a Russian disinformation campaign, shows up in that fourth FISA. Who signs that fourth FISA? Rod Rosenstein. Now does it make sense why Rosenstein 
is in such a panic about this declassification? Why, uh, why the mosaic? Why the corpus? Why the articulable facts? Everybody keeps saying that involved in the case, but no one tells you what they are because they all got worked and they got worked intentionally. This was malfeasance, not misfeasance. They wanted to take down Trump. They wanted to believe he was a bad guy. So they sucked up all this negative misinformation in an effort to get a warrant, likely at a, with a wink and an eye, Joe, knowing a lot of it was garbage. Mm. And Jacoby's post, Simpson's wife, who's seemingly the conduit for all of this garbage, is so damning the day after the Washington Post piece. Somebody clearly leaks to the Washington Post that there's this information out there on that 23rd article the day before her Facebook post saying, hey, there's a source in the Russian government saying, you know, Trump's dirty. This is all this bad stuff, right? The source is garbage. There's no source in the Russian government. If there was, they're certainly not going to out him in the Washington Post. Are you that stupid? Jacoby's furious because she feels like her husband's not being taken seriously because they have a financial interest in promoting their debunked garbage research. They are invested in it. If this is false and it's been used by the FBI to spy on a presidential candidate, her husband's going to be humiliated. So what does she do? In a Facebook post, she tries to save face and say, listen, this stuff we got is so real. The CIA knew it. They were pushing it to Obama in these eyes-only meetings. And the FBI's not taking this seriously enough. The problem is it was all garbage. And it was all garbage that the former president of the United States himself saw. Now do you understand why Devin Nunes's uh, Nunes's March of 2017, when he went to the White House to look at information contained at the complex? Now do you understand why in that press conference afterwards, we played the audio for many times, why he was so disturbed about what he saw? Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, the Senate confirmed in March. Moments after that happens, Devin Nunes, investigating the spying operation on the Trump team by Obama's team. Moments after he's confirmed, the director of national intelligence, and he can get a pass on this, Nunes zips over to the White House complex. I've told you before why that's significant. Information within the United States government is compartmentalized. If, if there's some information that goes to the White House that is stored in only one place, it is not on the open internet, it is stored only on computers inside the complex. Nunes goes over to meet with someone, look at some information that was likely stored only at the White House, comes out and gives a press conference where he says, what I saw was disturbing. It was evidence of a, sur- of a surveillance operation, spying basically on the Trump team, and he says at one point, Some of it didn't even involve Russia. This was a bigger operation by the Obama team that it becomes clear was being pipelined through John Brennan and the Central Intelligence Agency right into the White House without any vetting by people underneath Brennan to determine what was true or false. Folks, think about how dangerous this is. I can't say this enough. If you can get a guy you know, selling pretzels on the corner in Manhattan. Nothing against him. Good for working, brother. But if he's going to give to you information that there's a space invasion coming in tomorrow from Mars and he's going to get it to the director of the CIA, they're not going to vet it through any of the professionals underneath them and give it right to Obama. Do you want to start a nuclear atmospheric war outside the United States because the pretzel guy told you about a Martian invasion coming tomorrow?
This is what they did. And Jacoby, Simpson's wife, celebrates it. Oh, look, the CIA was taking it so seriously, but the FBI wasn't. Maybe the CIA was taking it seriously because it was run by John Brennan, political hack, who wanted to believe it was for real. Now do you see why Brennan's panicking on his Twitter account right now? Because he knows when that fourth FISA is declassified, it's going to become obvious that this golden file information was even worse than the dossier. It wasn't only fake, it was intentionally fake. Bingo. That's why what happened yesterday with Cohen is so devastating, too. They were pinning their hopes, Joe, on the fact there was some semblance of truth to the dossier because the mosaic information, the golden file, is even worse than that. Right. And now Cohen has stuck a fork in the dossier for good. <sighs> All right, folks, it's been a solid week of shows. I know the format was a little different this week. Some of you liked it, some didn't. But, uh, you know, we Joe and I are on the road. It's a road show. Mm-hmm. And I want to seriously thank... Um, Linda and Blair and the Hannity team for letting us use their studio. I appreciate it. I want to thank Joe, too, my buddy here, for being very accommodating on the schedule, Joe. Joe poor Joe has been taking texts from me at all hours of the night and day because we're, you know, I'm working with Fox. I'm doing yeah. the, the Spygate 2 book over, you know, where I've got a bunch of research going on it. So I appreciate it, Joe. And uh, thanks, thanks to my uh, lovely wife, Paula, for uh, taking my calls all hours. She's my business partner. And thanks to you for listening. Our listenership was really solid this week for road shows. And, uh, We put a lot of work into it. So thank you very much. I will see you all on Monday back from the home studio in Palm City, Florida. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but... Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.